morning, Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday Friends Torch Report 325, talking about the power of narrative. When it comes to the story, you've got to read the writing on the wall, friends. It could happen anywhere. (laughs) That's what I tell myself. Yeah, when I see something crazy happening, and there's lots of crazy things happening in the news today that we're not going to talk about. But every time I see something crazy happening, I always think, you know what? That could happen anywhere. That could happen right here at home. You know, drones flying around with health spray telling people to control their soul's urge for freedom. Yeah, that could happen anywhere. You know, rounding up tens of thousands of people and locking them up in domestic terrorist camps. Yeah, that could happen anywhere. Uh I think for many people, the pandemic opened their eyes to the fact that the government assumes it has unlimited authority over our lives. And so when we see what's happening around the world, it's always predicated on this this idea, this assumption that the government has this authority over our lives. They can do what they want. We are helpless. Uh, We just have to do what we're told. You know, there's nothing that the government can't do and won't do, you know, and shouldn't do to keep people safe. You know, there are no limits to what the government can do in the name of public health and safety. The government has no restraints when it comes to protecting democracy from the threat of dissenting perspectives. You know, that's why we have to have more free speech and we got all this stuff going on. That's the story. That's the narrative. That's what they want you to believe. And of course, you know, and I know that none of this is true. Not only does the government not have all of the authority that they claim to have, the truth is. The government has none of the authority that they have been using to abuse the public for years, forever, probably uh, since the dawn of time, you know, but just because they claim like in more recent time, you think about just from the pandemic till now, last few years, holy smokes, I didn't realize the government was such an unruly beast. You know, I didn't realize they were so high on their own authority, you know, just because the government claims they have the right Just because they act out this authoritarian impulse, that doesn't mean that they actually have the right. So just because they locked us down, mask us up, forces, you know, force people to, you know, accept an experimental mRNA injection to keep their job and all that kind of stuff. Just because they did that doesn't mean that they have the right to do that. And if you think about it. For example, like criminals, you know, criminals may lie, cheat and steal from you and they might even claim that they have the right to take your stuff because you don't deserve it. That's not really yours. You know, it's not fair that you have that or whatever. But do the criminals actually have the right to violate you and steal your personal property? (laughs) You know, no, of course not. They don't have the right. Even though they do it, it doesn't mean that they have the right. And that's, you know, that's the that's the story that's being told us. The government has the right to do whatever they they say they have to do. We got to do this for public health and safety, to protect democracy, whatever. You know, that's that's the reality of it. They don't have the right any more than a criminal has a right to violate you and steal your stuff. Okay. That's exactly what the government is doing is violating in you and stealing your stuff, just like criminals, you know, and yet people accept this government abuse simply because they've been conditioned to accept the abuse as part of being a good human, as part of being a good citizen, you know, or maybe more precisely, you know, people accept this government abuse 
like, you got give me your give me all your money and do what I say, you know, otherwise I'm going to threaten you and punish you or whatever. You know, they, they accept that because they believe the story that these abuses are necessary. That's the narrative. The abuse is necessary. It's for your own good. It's for the greater good, you know, but is it really? Is the abuse really necessary? Does the government really have the authority to take our money and tell us what to do? You know, perhaps a better question would be, you know, who gets to decide what is and is not necessary? For example, what is and is not necessary government authority? You know, who gets to decide what governments can and cannot do? Now, in a free society, in theory, it's the citizens who get together and agree in advance what the rules of government should be. These rules need to be vetted, they need to be debated, and they need to be codified in formal documentation, such as in a constitution, you know? A constitution, you know, which outlines the various rules and authorities, you know, the citizens can agree on that, they delegate those rules and authorities to the state, and then, you know, that becomes the means by which the government is constrained. The government doesn't have any authority except for through the consent of the citizens or through coercion and force, which is not authority, that's abuse, okay? If the government then violates the constitution, it violates the rules, violates, you know, abuses their authority and power, that is an abuse of power. That is an abuse of the citizens. Citizens could then rightly reject the authority of the government, rightly reject any authoritarian edict that the government tries to decree. In a perfect world, it would be just that simple. You know, government says, sit down, shut up, peasant, cover up your face with this face diaper mask and put this needle in your arm and do what we told you, you know, whatever, pay your taxes. Now, if people just said no, then the government is held in check. They don't really have the authority, so piss off, right? The politicians, if that were to happen, if it was just that simple, if there was massive peaceful noncompliance and civil disobedience, you know, though, and the politicians who are passing these authoritarian edicts, you know, if they were those politicians who comprised the government, the federal bureaucracy and all of that, those who are breaking the rules and violating the Constitution, if they were then removed from office, perhaps shamed in the public square uh, and under no circumstances ever allowed back into the halls of power, you know, that would we would it would quickly correct course and and get back to the constitutional principles of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness here right here in America. Now. Having revealed their true nature over the last several years. And of course, anybody that's been paying attention to politics for a long time, they've seen this for a long time. But for a lot of us, it's just waking up to what's really going on here. And having revealed their true nature, these authoritarians in our government, having acted out on the, the evil impulse to control the public by force, they can now be known as the tyrants that they are. There's no doubt about the fact that these people are tyrannical and they have a tyrannical desire to control our lives. But unfortunately, that's not the story that gets told. That's not the story that's being sold to the public. The power of narrative allows these tyrants to continue their pursuit of power unchecked and unencumbered by the pesky will of the peasants. The people, the public, the good citizens of the world are now held captive by this illusion that the tyrants are trying to protect them. The tyrants are trying to help them. The tyrants have all the answers. And the only solution is naturally more tyranny. Put differently, 
The public has become conditioned to accept the lie that the government is trying to protect them. The government is trying to help. The government has all the answers. And the only solution to all our problems is naturally more government. You know, as ridiculous as that seems, friends, this is exactly what the majority of people believe today. And not just here in America, but all around the world. Governments are running amok. Tyrants are parading around as public servants and the gross abuses of the public are, you know, they're no longer isolated incidences. It's everywhere every day. What happens in one place can happen in another. We see abuses of government, authoritarian control, and we know it can happen anywhere. It can happen here. And it has been and continues to happen right out in front of, broad, you know, God and everybody right out in broad daylight. Now, historically speaking, this has pretty much just been a global pastime since the dawn of time. It is, you know, with rare exception that evil is constrained, the evil impulse to, you know, authoritarian control and all that. It, it's very seldom constrained, you know, very seldom have constitutions been upheld, very seldom have authoritarian governments been held in check to maintain such a balance of power between the citizens and an authoritarian state, ultimately it requires a great deal of vigilance and effort from the peasants. And yet most of us, uh, you know, I, I consider myself a mere ignorant peasant, friends. I, I don't know if you self-identify as a peasant or not, you know, but let's just face it, whether you're a peasant or not, most people are too busy and too distracted to care. Most people are too caught up in their own stories to care about what the government is up to. That's that whole thing about ego that we were talking about yesterday, that shadow of oneself that's constantly spinning up our own self-rationalizing stories. We're so caught up in the stories in our head that we don't realize what's really going on. Most of the time, our minds are, are running this endless script. It's a mindless script, and much of that script was written by the government. Gosh, you know, it's almost April. I better prepare to pay my taxes because the government said so. Oh, yeah. Hey, today I had to change my clock because the government said so. Ah, oh, darn. I guess I can't buy that gun, you know, because the government said so. You know what? I guess we're going to have to cancel the, you know, family gathering because the go government said so. You know, it, it, I think it's time that we all go get our boosters, isn't it? Because the government said so. We're not allowed to use those words because the government said so. That, that story's not true. That's not true. Because the government said so. Friends, I'm sure you get the point. But let's zoom out. Zoop! Now, this week I have been combing through a couple of new books, actually a short stack of books, uh, seeking to better understand the overarching narrative that's being driven by the global cabal. Uh, if you think the last three years were just some wild anomaly, you know, uh, because the government said so, you know, you'd be missing the bigger picture, friends. Not only have the globalists assumed the authority to control virtually every aspect of our lives, they believe that they have a moral imperative to do so. And now they are deploying what they call the great narrative to convince the sheep of their good intentions, fleecing the public with their lies. Now, this great narrative, the great narrative, that's the title of a book written by Klaus Schwab. It's the second part of COVID-19, The Great Reset. Again, Klaus Schwab, founder of the World Economic Forum. I, go, I know you guys know this guy if you've been with me for a while, uh, but maybe some of the new listeners in the audience don't know about Klaus Schwab and the 
World Economic Forum and the COVID-19, The Great Reset book. Well, this is part two, The Great Narrative. It was published in 2022, and it portends to establish a blueprint for a better future. Of course, now we know his idea of a better future means that you will eat bugs, own nothing, and be happy. But that's really not the point of the story. According to his telling, Klausy Klaus Schwab says, quote, a new world, not a new normal, a new world is now emerging, the contours of which will largely be defined by the narratives that evolve to inform and construct the way forward, period, end quote. Now, isn't it interesting? It really should come as no surprise that Schwab is crafting his narrative the great narrative around an emerging new world order. It's not a new normal, friends. It's a new world order. And this new world order is precisely what they've been working toward for decades. That's what the UN Sustainable Development Goals and all that's all about, okay? It's not conspiracy. This is flat-out fact. And though the new world order, the NWO, it still gets treated like taboo in certain circles. You know, they've spoken about this openly for years. I put a little quote here, uh, I just want to share a little bit from Torch Report 287, The Rise of Global Democracy, which the New World Order is the rise of global democracy, but it spells it out exactly. Uh, there's a quote from the WEF. It says, here at the WEF, there's a lot of discussion about what the New World Order will be. How do we work towards that new normative international order that allows us to address our differences and disputes in the civilized world? End quote. Now, liberal outlets, of course, are always trying to spin any negative talk of the new world order as unhinged, you know, radical right wing conspiracies. But they do admit the new world order exists anyway. It's it's. It's necessary to have a new international, normative international order to advance global democracy, friends. The mental gymnastics are impressive. But setting aside the fact that so many people still refuse to face this impending threat to humanity, the new world order, anyone with their eyes wide open can see that the global consolidation of power and control being consolidated into the hands of a bunch of sociopathic tyrants, this is destined to usher us into hell on earth. Friends, the end result of all of this going down, this great narrative, is the great inescapable socialist surveillance I talked about. But what I want to make clear today is that this great narrative, it is the great narrative that's going to get us to that inescapable socialist surveillance state. That's how they're going to sell it. People will be fed the narrative and they will believe the story. This is predictable. And we would be very wise to accept that a great many people will succumb to their seductive lies. But, but, but that does not mean that all hope is lost, friends. We are not helpless to resist and resist we must. You know, instead of tossing in the towel and thinking, ah, we're out organized, we're out gun, we're out financed and all that. You know, we need to read their words. We need to dissect their lies. We need to communicate the truth to anyone who will listen. You know, in short, we need to tell our own story that freedom is the most good for the most people. You know, we need to make sure that we tell our story so well that it inspires courage and the will to resist in our fellow pe peasants. <laughs> uh, at any rate, friends, in the great narrative, Klaus Schwab talks a lot about how global pandemics, uh, as shocking as they can be, he says, quote, global, uh, global pandemics, quote, 
can also prove to be a force for lasting and often radical change, end quote. All right, so, you know, we turn the world upside down. That's a, it's a force for good, for lasting and radical change. He then muses on about how pandemics are a shock to the global system, and this shock to the global system divides and traumatizes the public. You think, you know? And, of course, that dividing and traumatizing the public, which is, the iterative disruptions and all that, that softens up the public psyche. And then these pandemics force us to, quote, rethink the social contract and pave the way for institutional policy and societal ruptures. Friends, make no mistake, these changes are underway. These institutional policy and societal ruptures are underway. They have already rethought the social contract and they're imposing that upon us right now. but have you and I rethought the social contract? Maybe we need to rethink the social contract about the, the balance of power between we, the people, and the government. Okay? According to the great narrative, momentous shocks can create momentous change. This Friends, for those unfamiliar, this is the thrust of the adaptation agenda. I don't have time to get into all that today, but I did put a link to the report, the adaptation agenda. That was Torch Report 223. It really talks about how they use these uh, interruptions in our life, these iterative disruptions uh, to build resilience and all of that. Put bluntly, by keeping people in a perpetual cycle of panic, they maintain heightened suggestibility and hijack the emotional minds to brainwash the masses. It's, it, they're hijacking our humanity, uh, and they're <laughs> like a cat playing with a mouse, friend. They're doing it every damn day. When the world gets turned upside down, we need to make sense of it. Naturally, it's human nature. And those who are orchestrating the Great Reset understand this very, very well. According to <clears throat> the Great Narrative, I'm going to read a little passage here for you just to kind of help emphasize how well they understand this. But, quote, the rich scholarly literature about narratives makes it clear that we think, act, and communicate in terms of narratives. And each interpretation, each understanding or model of how the world operates begins with a story. Now, pause for a second. There's scholarly literature. They've been studying this for a long time, kind of like they studied memetics for a long time, right? But everything about how we interpret and understand the world begins with a story. Going on, narratives provide the context in which the facts we observe can be interpreted, understood, and acted upon. They end up being the truths or the ideas we accept as truths that underpin the perceptions that shape our realities and in in the process form our cultures and societies. Now, pause again there. They're, They're talking about how the story, the narrative, ends up being the truth, or it's the ideas that we accept as truth. If we believe the story, then that's what the truth is, okay? That underpins our perception. It shapes our reality. They understand that. We need to understand that. To continue on here, to sum up, Klaus Schwab says, Narratives shape our perceptions, which in turn form our realities and end up influencing our choices and actions. They are how we find meaning in life, period, end quote. Now, there's a guy that understands humanity. Thus, as the global cabal so clearly understands, those who control the narrative control our perceptions and they form the realities that influence our choices and actions. Friends, to me, that is the equivalent of saying that those who control the narrative, are capable of enslaving the masses in their own minds. It means the same thing. It means that those who control the narrative are directing the public's perceptions and behavior at will. 
Please keep in mind at all times, not only are the global elites exploiting this fact, they are actively selling this narrative as the ultimate solution to all the world's problems. How are you going to enslave all of humanity in their own minds? They're going to do it by telling a story. They're going to tell us all a story with the hope that the human spirit simply falls asleep and maybe never wakes up. You know, people passively accept their tyrannical control. Friends, the good news is we get to determine how this story plays out, which is why I like to say, resist we must. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that little heart on the Substack app or on the website. Click that heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. Don't forget, you can support this publication by joining the Patriot Club. And of course, as always, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with someone, share it with anyone, share it with everyone you know. Friends, get out there and embrace this thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.